another good Saturday morning to you with 45 degrees in the Twin Cities. Jack Farrell is with us with another wine chat. Jack, we're heading for 75 today. I heard that. Golly. <laughs> it's springtime in Minnesota, that's it, for sure. It is. What are we going to talk about today? You know what? I thought I'd talk about the kind of ABCs of wine. Why should you learn a little bit about wine? Well, I think you should learn a little bit about wine because it enhances your social experience. Wine is a beverage that's best enjoyed in the company of others. And a little bit of knowledge about wine goes a long way by opening doors to new wines, new flavors, new styles. And exploring wine is an inexhaustible adventure. I've been doing it for almost 50 years, and I still don't know everything. And in fact, I, I'm always astonished at how little I do know. And that's fun, because you can enlist your friends and you share opinions on wine, etc. It's a great social experience. Plus, it'll give you a little confidence when you're buying wine. Remember when you're buying wine, always deal with somebody that's fairly knowledgeable. That helps to have someone kind of take you by the hand, uh, etc. But if you keep a little note yourself, a blank notebook, and write down whether you liked the wine or you didn't like it and why you liked it. And believe me, no one's going to look at that notebook book you. So write down whatever pleases you or whatever triggers something. I remember a friend told me it tastes like walnuts. And another friend laughed. And I said, no, it really kind of does taste a little bit like walnuts. He has a very good palate. But the point is, no one looks at that notebook but you, and it can be very helpful in picking wines down the pike. You know, by enjoying wine and tasting it and uh, smelling it, you know, a Roman bouquet or a big part of tasting wine, you really are honing in those senses. Uh, you're developing an awareness. That's why a lot of uh, gal cooks are much better than guys because they're tasting and adjusting seasoning all the time. And if you do that, it just increases your sensibility and your sensory perception of wine. So enjoying wine, etc., is going to increase your sense of taste and your sense of smell. And lastly, it gives you a personal satisfaction. The wine world is enormous, and it's an opportunity rather than an obstacle. For instance, everybody has a favorite baseball team. Everybody has a favorite football team. You have a favorite color, etc. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite wine. Uh, and if you like it, it can be your go-to wine all the time. And so those are a few reasons, in my opinion, you ought to be taking a look at wine. Now, how hard is it? Well, there's basic types of wine. Let's consider for a minute the most common types of wine. Uh, the whites, there's Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, and Riesling. And for at the onset, don't confuse yourself with learning about Vermentino and Albarino, etc. Those are, <laughs> excuse me, wonderful wines and fine to uh, explore down the pike. But initially, stick to those four white ones. On the red side, I'd stick to another four. Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Zinfandel. Again, there's lots more. There's Grenache and there's Syrah and uh, wines from uh, Italy and Spain uh, that are wonderful wines. But let's just stick to those four reds at the onset. That's enough. I mean, there's eight wines there. Riesling, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, and Chardonnay. 
Pinot Noir, Zinfandel, Merlot, and Cabernet. And that's enough because you want to learn a little bit about those and moving forward. Then people ask me always about a wine glass. Well, what kind of a wine glass you should have? You should have a wine glass that has a fairly large bowl on it. And by a large bowl, I mean 10 to 12 ounces. Because you want to fill a wine glass only about a third full. You never want to have a wine glass filled to the brim. You're not going to enjoy it, uh, etc. Because appreciating wine, and when we look at the five things connected with wine, two of them, two-fifths, are connected with your sense of smell. The aroma and the bouquet. And what are those? Well, aroma is you're looking for the type of wine it is. Does it smell like a Riesling instead of a Cabernet, etc.? And then bouquet, you're looking for more complex things, the fruitiness uh, and the depth of the wine, the robe, if you will, the in-depth, etc. So you want a fairly large wine glass on a stem. The idea is to hold the wine by the stem because if you hold the wine in your hand, You'll generally get the wine too warm by doing that. And don't forget, there's all sorts of ways to enjoy wine. If you've ever been in the Italian countryside, they give you wine glasses that look like grandma's juice jars. And, you know, I'm here to tell you I've had some wonderful wine out of those grandma's juice jars. I've also had wonderful wine out of Riedel glasses that were hundreds of dollars a stem as well. But you just want a stem that you can use for almost everything, for sparkling wine on. And I think a good 12-ounce bowl on a little stem is the perfect wine for that. Those other wines are wonderful, but a lot of them are hard to put in a dishwasher. You have to wash them by hand, etc., etc. And the more you get into wine, well, then you can experiment with glasses. But initially, just that. 12-ounce bowl will be absolutely fine with no problems at all. Then you look at how do you taste wine. Well, as I said, there's five things to look for. First thing is color. And if the color is clear, in other words, the wine isn't cloudy, etc., that's just fine. Then you check out the aroma. And then, again, as I said a little while ago, does it smell like wine? The bouquet, what are the complexities? The taste, how does it taste? And the last thing, and a very important thing, is the aftertaste. Does it leave a pleasant taste in your mouth? And if those five things are in balance, the color, the aroma, the bouquet, the taste, and the aftertaste, that's what everyone judges wine on, whether we're judging it by a 100-point system, a 20-point system, a 10-point system, three stars, three florets, whatever. Those are the five things everybody looks for. So tasting wine, that's how you go about it. And usually wine faults are the biggest things to come upon. And that's uh, pretty smart. You know, it's amazing when you try these things out, you'll find out you are better at it than you really thought you were. It's easy to identify fruit flavors. It's easy to begin to identify the grape type, etc. And as I said a little while ago, it's very useful to keep notes. Now, another one. How do you open a bottle of wine? Well, that's pretty simple. Using a regular corkscrew, and that's the I like a leverage corkscrew. That'll open any bottle of wine and do it nicely. And as I always warn people, if you have any wine openers that inject air into the bottle and force the wine out, for heaven's sakes, throw them away. 
uh, those are dangerous as hell. Usually wine bottles, you know, they're blown in huge numbers, etc. And there's often flaws in the bottle. And putting that CO2 or pumping air in to pump the thing out can cause the bottle to break. And there's been a lot of damage done through the years with those things. As I say, any kind of a corkscrew is just fine, but I wouldn't have one of those uh, CO2 corkscrews uh, on a bet. And then, you know, little odd thing is how do you pour a wine without dripping it? Well, you just turn the bottle a little. And then there's all sorts of gadgets for that. And speaking of pouring wine that's dripless, you can buy these uh, they're like aluminum foil, but they're circles, and wrap one up and put it in the bottle, and it won't drip at all. When you t- open a bottle of wine, how long does it last? That depends on the wine. But I guarantee you, if you seal the wine up and put it aside, you can get a couple of days out of most bottles of wine without any deleterious effects. If you want to store them longer than that, you're going to have to downsize them. In other words, air is the natural enemy of wine, so is light. So if you can say, for example, you have a half bottle of wine left, pour it in a half bottle size, a demi-sized bottle, put a cork in it, and put it in the refrigerator, and it'll stay for a long time. I've even put wines back in the cellar after they've been opened. Say it was a Magnum, and we only drank half, so we had a full bottle left. I put it in the wine cellar, pour that Magnum into a full bottle, put the cork back in, laid it on its side, and let it sit there for a year or two, and it still was good. But again, there was no air and no light that got to the wine. So that's so simple. And then pairing wine and food, again, that's such a personal thing. Uh, if you like sherry with uh, duck, for heaven's sakes, that's what you should have. Uh, but pairing wine and food, again, is a great adventure. There's been a long, long time, centuries, where people have come to the conclusion that, as we talked about last week, Muscadet is a perfect wine to have with oysters or shellfish. And that's because they've been doing it for hundreds of years. So it's good to follow those things. But if you personally like, prefer a Grenache Rosé with oysters, that's what you should have. Yeah. And, and you know, talk about simple dishes like pizza and burgers, etc., Call for simple wine. It's a pretty easy thing to pick a wine. If your food is simple, a simple wine. If the food is very complex, you maybe want a little more complex wine uh, to deal with it. And I think that's a few items there, Denny. I mean, I could go on probably <laughs> for six hours on this subject, but we'll spare everybody. And that's one of the reasons to bother to learn about wine. It's fun. And uh, there was some great, uh, great thoughts uh, today, Jack. We appreciate that. And I, I know folks who want to experiment a little more, maybe want simpler uh, pairings. They can walk into any Haskell's location. They're going to get all the help they need. Exactly. Haskell's spring sale is going on right now, and it's a big one. It is the biggest sale, wine sale, in the Twin Cities. Our spring sale goes between now and uh, May 6th, and you'll find all sorts of fabulous wines on sale. Moscato's from Italy, Sauvignon Blanc's from New Zealand, wines from France, uh, California, you name it, Italy, Argentina, South America, We've got them all. And you know what? Best of all, they're going to help you pick a wine that will not break the bank. There's 
And they're going to pick a wine that's going to be delicious, too. I guarantee it. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big, big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Chanhassen. In downtown Excelsior, you'll find a Haskell, as you will in Faribault, right off of 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday. Haskell's at Ridgedale, Haskell's at Plymouth. In St. Paul's Highland Village, you'll find the Haskell's, as you will, in Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can explore the spring sale catalog as well as find out all sorts of things that you want to know about wine. It's a great resource. It really is. Well, Jack, I hope we can chat next week. I'm going to look forward to that, 